Well, good morning. Welcome to Oasis this morning. I hope you had a good Christmas. Did everybody have a good Christmas? I hope so. Did any, is anybody wearing something new this morning? Look at all you. Yay. I'm wearing some new shoes. Apparently my wife did not like my other shoes, so she got me some new black shoes. So I'm wearing new shoes. That's all that's new on me. So um, but uh, I do. I pray that you guys had a good week. I know John got to go to Florida, and they've got an extra special gift this week. Their daughter came home with a broken leg. So uh, if you did not know that, there you go. But uh, the, I guess she was jumping on a trampoline, and uh, it didn't like her. So uh, uh, nonetheless, um, so John was, they got separated in between. His wife and family was back in Florida. He came home to work. And then she broke her leg. So, uh, but uh, nonetheless, I got a, a quick prayer request uh, that was mentioned to me this morning. If you know Frank Constantini, um, his fiance, they've been coming for some time, but I guess his fiance's, uh, Carolina, her father uh, passed away this week. And uh, so they went, they're traveling back. So uh, if you think about it, uh, lift them up in prayer. Um, just, I do, I pray that you guys had a good week and. Um, just a lot of stuff. I know if you have kids, this week was kind of crazy. I know my family is <laughs> all homesick. So yesterday in the Flanagan home was the day to uh, have an upset stomach and let it all come out. So we had uh, Riley that started early in the morning, and then EJ was more towards the evening, and then at about 2 in the morning was Brindley. So uh didn't sleep any at all last night, but uh, nonetheless... That was our home, and my wife dropped off the others because I get here early, and I can't really bring them, but she dropped them off, and Brinley made the car dirty on the way home. So there we go. So that's the Flanagan home, and so when I get home, I'm sure I've got some carpet cleaning to do inside the van, and uh, we'll enjoy that. But uh, again, I do hope that you had a, a good Christmas, and I see some faces out here that I don't recognize. Thank you for being here at Oasis if you're a guest with us, and I appreciate you coming. Um, but this week, we're gonna, I'm, I'm talking today about the days after Christmas. Obviously, we're now about a week out of Christmas, and, um, and it's been said, and this is one of the quotes I read this week, but next to a circus, there is nothing that packs up and tears out faster than the Christmas spirit. If you've experienced that this week... If you know what I'm talking about, basically you've got Christmas time and so you have all those that are rude and nasty and they become nice and loving people on Christmas Day and share the Christmas joy and then that goes away very quickly. For some of you, Christmas is all exciting and then it's like about noon on Christmas Day, you've had enough and it's no more fun because the, the hustle and bustle of everything is kind of done, but the Christmas spirit is is very exciting, but it leaves us very quickly. Um, it starts at about Thanksgiving time or a month before, depending on who you are and how you shop. But somewhere around Thanksgiving, the Black Friday thing, everybody kills themselves at Walmart and each other and everything else and wherever you go. And the spirit of Christmas is exciting and you see and you hear all the songs and it's like Christmas Day and then it's all of a sudden, like, boom. There is no such thing as Christmas spirit. There's no such thing as spirit at all. It's just we hate everybody again and back to work and all those kinds of things come back into place. But this morning we're going to 
I'm going to dive into the days after Christmas, and I'm going to dive into a couple different um, topics with the day after Christmas, and um, I'm really not going to have a long introduction this morning, but in Matthew chapter, or Matthew, Luke chapter number two, um, and really it starts in, in verse number nine or so, eight or nine, where the angel of the Lord is coming to the shepherds, and, and we know the story. I'm not going to read every single one of these verses, but, but we understand the angel comes to the shepherd in the middle of the fields, and the shepherds are out there, and he's proclaiming what's about to take place. And it says there they were afraid, and in verse number 10, it, he, the angel says to fear not. And as we keep on going, basically once we get down to about 15, 16, it says, and it came to, pa- and came to pass in verse 16, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And in verse 16, it says, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they had made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. In verse number 20 it says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. In the days after Christmas... I've got three basic points, and then I've got a couple applications I'm going to put. But the first one is this, the days after Christmas for the shepherds. There's a few things that took place for the days after Christmas. When the shepherds came, they came and they traveled all this way. Again, you've got to go back. If you, if you put yourself in that time, shepherds were, were tending to their flock and doing the things that shepherds do. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord comes and speaks to them and says, Hey, there's this baby that's going to be born. And I can imagine, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the middle of a field and anything that's random comes and just speaks to me that you don't know what it is, you're probably going to get a little scared. And it says there in verse 10, fear not. But the shepherds got all of these things and, and, and it says, as you read down, it says, and they left, they, they went with haste. They immediately left to go find this babe. And they went searching, and then when they found, they came across the baby, and they, they came across Jesus. Can, can you imagine the excitement, or the fear, or the nerves, or the things that they were looking for? What happens if they go there, and they don't find that baby? What happens if they go there, and what they were just told wasn't really what they thought it was going to be? Or maybe it was a little bit off. But the baby Jesus, when they went, and they found exactly what the angel had told them. The shepherds couldn't keep it to themselves. Have you ever been told something that was a secret? Is anybody a good, how, how about this? How many in here are not good secret keepers? Would anybody be bold enough to say, I do not keep secrets? Okay, a handful of you would be honest enough to say that. Someone's phone is back there. Um, so some of you are not good secret keepers. I'll just kind of do a jig up here. But uh, <laughs> so some of us aren't good secret. We don't do well. My children are horrific at keeping secrets. We went, I went shopping. I took the three girls. We went shopping for my wife. And it's like it's impossible. Does anybody else have this problem? If you have kids, you probably have this problem. But I took them shopping. And one of the things that I've always, like, you get them things, but you you don't know if they're going to, like, mom's going to find out, like, five minutes after you get home, because that's what 
the kids do. We went to this store. We got you this. We did this. This is it. You know, like I walked in the, into the store or in, into the house and my wife had went shopping. And, and, uh, and uh, I come home and my, my kids are, Dad, we went to Kohl's and we went to, and Mindy's like, stop, stop, stop. But you don't want the, you got the secrets. How about an engagement? Has anybody had a really secret engagement and you told somebody in the fear of like, if they find out, you know, you got certain things. These, these shepherds went and they found the babe lying in a manger. And the cool thing, in, just, it says immediately, and all they that heard it, or in verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. It wasn't a secret. They, they went and they told and they shared everything that they knew. Listen, can you imagine, listen, these shepherds are coming. Again, you've got to think it's a shepherd. Jesus God found it important enough to, to the, he shared the most precious gift with the shepherd. Just a lowly shepherd that's out tending to the flock, doing what shepherds do. They were nobody special. They, it, was, it was a shepherd. Man, I'm telling you right now, if God shared with me something that was absolutely incre- incredible like that, I'm, I'm going to go for one, why in the world did you just tell me? Has anybody ever told you something and you're like, why would you tell me that? Like, I'm not really important enough that you would tell me that information. But you, those shepherds had to have thought that. That, really, God, you, you just chose me? You know what? Put that in your shoes and put that where we are today. God just wants to use us as normal individuals who aren't anybody special, who are just mom, pa, Joe, nobody. He wanted to use a shepherd to go and travel and find this babe. And, and what it says there in verse number 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And then here's what I want to point out with this first point before we go to the second one. As it was told unto them. They praised God because of what they heard and what they seen. But because, again, what if they went there and what they found was not what the angel told them? They would have been, really? When somebody tells you something in private and you, you're thinking, man, this is awesome. Can, you really just told me that? And then next thing you know, you go and you're expecting something. And then it's like, well, that's not what you told me. The excitement, the emotion, the passion, those types of things. When they would have left to go back, the things that they would have said probably would have been different than praising and glorifying God for what they seen and what they heard. Because it wasn't what God told them. But because it was exactly the thing that Jesus Christ or God had told and shared with them in the, through that angel, they left, they were praising God and glorifying God because of what they had heard and what they had seen. I can imagine the days after Christmas for the shepherds. Leaving and what they, the, the excitement that they had and the excitement that they shared on that particular day to leave and to share that with everybody that they came in contact with. 
The next is the day after Christmas for Mary and Joseph. I, I, I don't really know what would have taken place. I know for me, I, I have four children. And the excitement that, that comes about on the birth of each one of those children. And I can think of my very first child. I can think of Madison. And I, I remember very vividly when that whole process and, and being in the hospital. And then when, when we, we had the, Mindy had the baby and, and you sit there and you kind of hold the baby. And you, one, you don't really know what to do. You don't know how to wrap, wrap her right or wrap him right. And you're just kind of like, uh. And if you're a guy, then you're really like, uh. Have you ever gave a baby to a man that doesn't have kids? And they're like, they, they kind of stand there. Well, I was pretty decent with kids. I grew up with nieces and nephews, and I had, you know, kids around. And, but I remember that first time holding Madison, and I, I didn't really, you know, you kind of make, try to move to make it right, and there's really no right way, but you, you don't know what's going on. The transition of life that takes place amongst when, you're, when you first have a child, it's no longer just you. It's no longer just you and your spouse. Now there's a, another one in the transition that comes there. I remember that night trying to sleep on one of those couch bed things at the hospital. I remember waking up and peeking into the little bassinet thing that the baby that Madison was in. I remember crying, just sitting there in the middle of the night looking at my baby and crying. Man, can you imagine the days after for Mary and Joseph? The excitement, the worry, the wonder. Just imagine Mary was holding and carrying the baby Jesus for nine months and, and just the fear and the wonder and, and what's going to take place. You've got a, a couple that were engaged to be married, but yet now she's pregnant and the, the, the things that were said. You've got all these things, and then the new baby on top of that. Max Lucado wrote a book, and it's called God Came Near, and he asks some different questions about Mary. How did he act, or how did she act with his first haircut? Did she ever have, or did he ever have a, a black eye when he came home? Think about this. When he saw a lamb being led to the slaughter, did he react strange? Did the thought ever occur that, the God you were praying to was asleep under your own roof. Think about the different thoughts that may have been crossing Mary and Joseph's mind and, and how at that time, again, put yourself into a spot of Mary and Joseph with, if you've had your own children and the, the pride that you have. I remember it was a day or two after and I, I wanted to take on our way home to go show people that where I worked at. I'm a proud dad. And just think of that with Mary and Joseph. Think of the thoughts that went through Mary's head. When, when will this God become the Messiah? Man, I already, rec I already know what's happening. And I know this, this is the God. This is Jesus, the, the Savior of the world. When is he going to become the Messiah? When is everybody else going to realize and recognize who this is? When will God become the King? When will my friends and relatives understand and know I was telling them the truth. Just think of the things that may have crossed Mary's mind. When will those that have judged us for having this baby and not being married believe that this is the Son of God?
You could go on and on and on and on and on with that list, I'm sure, for the thoughts that must have been going through Mary's head in Joseph's mind. And man, this is, this is Jesus, the Savior of the world. I was in awe of Madison, and I've been in awe of each one of my children, but my first, I was in awe of Madison, and she was just Madison. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I love my child, but it was just Madison. But to think now I'm, I'm holding Jesus, God, the Son of Man. What must those days have been after Christmas? Now taking it to you personally, what is the days of Christmas for you and for me? I've got three kind of small points inside of this, and the day after Christmas for some of you may have been different than others. This Christmas may have been a very difficult Christmas for some. I know of some in this room that this Christmas was a tough, tough Christmas. The table wasn't full, there was an empty chair. It wasn't the same a loss of a loved one. Maybe it was a, a, a work situation where downsizing at work and, and Christmas just wasn't what you thought it would be. I expressed some of my emotions over the last couple Christmases that I've had in some of those capacities financially and things. But it, it just wasn't. You, you couldn't give what you wanted. Everything about Christmas, you wanted to be excited, but you really couldn't be excited. All you wanted to do really was just get to the next day. If Christmas could just be done, then I can move on and I can, I can get past this big day and this big holiday and the, the excitement of what Christmas is because it's just not exciting to me. For some of you, that was your Christmas. And for those that it is, I, I want to say, for one, we understand that. You were hoping that Thanksgiving would pass, Christmas would pass. You just want the regular every day to get there. And we understand that. Those are tough times. You know, for some of you, Christmas is the most exciting thing. It's just, it's exciting and it's the most joyful time. You love the season of Christmas, but when it comes, it, that relief that day after, it's almost like, but it's past. And you, you do so much to get to Christmas. And then Christmas gets there and it's just, oh, you, you did so much that you actually just missed Christmas. You didn't just stop and enjoy the Christmas. You were just, oh, wow, where did it go? For some of you, Christmas was an exciting day. For some of you, it was a day that, that the day after Christmas is really tough for you because you do so much and you do so much and you do so much and Christmas is fun and the kids are open presents and this is going on, family's here and, and everything. And then the day after you're like, wow, everything's gone. The kids went home. They've already opened the presents. Nothing more is new. The family is gone. What do, what, what do we do now? You look at a Christmas tree that's not lit, but you look at a Christmas tree and you start thinking, I have to put that away. For some of you crazy people that spend days and days and days decorating, you now spend days and days and days putting it all away. 
And so you start looking on the 26th or the days after Christmas and you start looking and you, I've got all of this stuff, now I have to put it all back away. And it becomes depressing. It becomes difficult. It becomes one of those things. But you know, when you start stopping, when you stop and you start looking, in Colossians chapter number 4, I believe this is on the screen, but in Colossians chapter number 4, It says this in verse number 5, it says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. And really the point of this message this morning is this. We live in a society where we get so excited for really big days. In our churches, we get excited for really big days. And then those big days come, and then those big days go, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh. Do you know, as a Christian, this, this verse says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Those that are without are talking about the outside, the, the lost. Me, as a Christian, my job is to live and to walk in wisdom of God for those people. Part of being a Christian is that I would walk in wisdom of God, in the Spirit of God, for those that are outside or those that are without the gift that I have received. It says to redeem the time. Do you know the day after Christmas is just as important as the day of Christmas? And I know we celebrate it's Jesus' birthday, and, but when you start and you, you stop, and if I get so worked up for Christmas that on the day after Christmas I've completely lost all Christmas spirit, We, we don't, we live just for the big day. And then we deflate. We could do a huge Christmas thing here and we could pack this church out. Why? Because people go to church on Christmas. People go to church on Easter. People will come to church for your big back to church Sunday. Or people will come to church for your big whatever barbecue day. Or people, people will come to church for those things. Do you know around Christmas time, many of you got in a fight with somebody. It's Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. It's Merry Christmas, it's Merry Christmas. And you'll write really big Christ, and then you'll put Mus, really small. And then on the next day, when somebody says something to you, oh my God, you just look at them and go, oh. Why don't we say it's not, oh my God, like we do, it's Merry Christmas. But because it's the the Christian holiday, it's the Christian thing to do that around Christmas we have to say Merry Christmas. We have to do all these things and I get all that. But the days after Christmas and the days leading up to Christmas and all these other days we just go, oh, you can curse God. You don't need to say Christmas. You can say whatever you want to say. But during the Christmas holiday when it's politically correct, I'm going to fight you over Christmas. What if we redeemed the time? What if we walked in wisdom toward those that are without on a daily basis? In Ephesians, it's a very similar passage, but in Ephesians, it says, in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 15 and 16, it says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, redeeming the time. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot 
in the scope of eternity, in the scope of our lives, and in the scope of so many things we live on a daily basis, are we, redeem, are we redeeming the time? Do we really live for Christ? Do we read enough? Do we pray enough? Do we witness enough? Do we share enough? Do we do all these things enough? Or do we do it so that on Christmas Day it's Merry Christmas, but every other day no one even knows the difference? Just a, a short analogy here as we get to the, the last couple points of the message this morning. We live as though we present our life as a $10,000 bill. I don't have a $10,000 bill. I don't think there is such a thing. I am so rich, I have a $1 bill. But if this was a $10,000 bill, think of this analogy, and I, I pray that this makes sense to you, but think of this analogy. If this were a $10,000 bill representing your life or my life, we go to God and we say, here you go, God, and we give him our $10,000 bill, and that's it. And we're done. God, I gave you everything I've got. There you go. What if I took this $10,000 bill and I, I took it to the bank and went in. I said, I need to take this and trade it for quarters. That's a lot of quarters. But I, I take it and I trade it in for quarters. And I get these bags of quarters and walking out and my truck load, car load, whatever you got, and here's kind of how our life is. Instead of just giving God a, a $10,000 bill and saying, there you go, now it's when I go to the store and I treat my cashier who's having a bad day, and I kind of give her a quarter. And I come to church and I notice somebody that's having a bad day and I give them a hug and I kind of give them a quarter. And I, and I take a quarter here, and I take a quarter there, and I leave a quarter here, and I leave a quarter there, and I'm, I'm giving myself to God every day, quarter by quarter by quarter by quarter. Giving somebody a hug, praying for somebody, witnessing to somebody, doing these little things. Instead of just giving God, there's $10,000, God, whatever you got, I don't know what you can do. But he gives it back to you, and he says, hey, no, here's your life. Take that $10,000, I've given you some quarters, now go and share that. Go and share it. Don't just dump it all on me and then walk away thinking that you don't have to do anything. Redeem the time. Live, as it says in Colossians, for those that are outside. Live your life as those things. Christmas is a time that we all get excited. Christmas is a time that it's easy to share the gospel. Christmas is a time that it's easy to invite people to come to church. But on the days after Christmas, when the Christmas spirit has left, and no one really cares about God anymore. We have quarters that we pull out and we give little nuggets, so to speak, everywhere we go to love God. SOS does the thing. I don't know if you listen to SOS where they, I don't remember what they call it, but you pay for the person behind you and you leave a little note or whatever it is. Have you ever just paid for somebody's anything? And they kind of look at you like, what? The other day there was a, a, she was like a teenage, it looked like, again, I, it looked like a 16, 17, 18 year old teenage girl with her younger sister. And they were at the store trying to buy stuff for Christmas. And they were like 60 cents short. 
And I'm sitting there and I'm like, really, I'll, I'll just be real honest. I just wanted to get through the line to be done. But they were doing whatever they were doing. And she's like, well, I guess just go ahead and take those things off. And I, I just grabbed out of my wallet and I threw a dollar up there. Again, I confess it wasn't to be super Christian. It was just more to get through the line. Because then they'd had to go back through and find the item and redid it. You know, you know what it is. But they just kind of stopped and looked at me like, whoa. It was like 50 cents. It wasn't like I gave them 500 bucks. I gave like 50 cents. But it was incredible the, the expression that they gave back to us. We were in a similar spot. We were shopping, I don't know, probably six months ago. And we were down, Mindy and I were doing something, and we were at Burlington Coat Factory or whatever, and this couple was, they were from England, I think. They were British. I don't remember. They had a real strong, strong accent. But uh, they were the same. It was like a dollar and like 18 cents they were short. And they were going through everything, pulling out their pockets, doing all this stuff. And, and I said, well, what is it that you're short? And I asked the lady, and we gave them. And th- this couple was just utterly blown away. You know, it's those things that are the little nuggets that allow you to keep on moving. It's those little nuggets, it's that quarter, that bag of $10,000 that you just give those quarters here and there and say, man, God gave that to me, I'm just wanting to give that back. As we take those things and we grow, in Matthew 16, 24, it speaks of denying ourselves. And I'm gonna, I've got three quick applications this, e- this morning, and then I'm, I'm wrapped up. The first one is this. The majority of our Christian lives take place in the everyday existence, not in special days. The majority of our Christian lives take place in our everyday existence, not in special days. How many special days are there? For Christians, you have Easter and Christmas. And then there's other days throughout there. You've got Memorial Day and you've got all the different holidays. But the Christian holidays are Easter and Christmas. We get so excited. We get so wrapped up. We get ourselves in such a bind that we have to make these days so incredible. But really it is who you are beyond those days that really says a lot about who we are. It's who we are when those days are over. It's who we are leading up to those days. It's all of those things that say this is who we are. The second point is this. Faithfulness and consistency are marks of maturity for the Christian. Faithfulness and consistency are marks of maturity for the Christian. The shepherds only had experienced that one thing one time. The shepherds got to go and they got to see the baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Do you know I guarantee you the rest of their walk back, they had a lot to talk about. They were excited. What did it say in Luke 2? They went and they shared and they told everybody. Their life wasn't just about seeing the baby Jesus. 
It was what took place when they left. What did they do when they left? They shared it with everybody that they came in contact with and they glorified and they praised God. Listen, so many of us, we come to church, we came to a Christmas program, we'll come to an Easter program and you're going to come and you're going to lift our hands and we're going to worship. I remember our Easter thing, it was incredible. We had a standing ovation during the one song and it was awesome and worship and blah, 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 blah. But when we left that service... Did you go out praising and glorifying God and anything changed about your life? The consistency are the marks of our faithfulness, of our maturity in Christ. Man, I can get really excited for short little moments. During this football season, I got really excited. The Browns had a three-game winning streak. Doesn't happen very often. But consistency is... Excitement over the long haul. Consistency is something that takes place longer than just this Christian, this Christmas day. Let's make this real personal, and I'm just going to be real out there with us as Oasis today. It was almost four years ago in January that we moved into this particular building. For many, we had thought we had arrived and we were the coolest church in the world. A mere four years later, we've had lots of big days. We've seen lots of things. About a year and a half ago, we finished this auditorium in here. The carpet and the, the painted walls and the screens and the lights and the different things. And Sometimes we get to that place where we just think we've gotten somewhere. We've arrived at something. Consistency and faithfulness are marks of maturity. Are you just as excited this morning about God as you were on Christmas Day? Are you just as excited this morning as you were when you accepted Jesus Christ five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, three months ago? Are you just as excited about your church today as you were four years ago when we moved into a big building? As you were when we got to see this building finished on that particular morning, I remember we stood out there, we had ribbon cutting ceremony, we had senators, we had all the likes of different people, we had congressmen and different things, we had a gymnasium full of different nonprofit organizations. It was exciting, it was, it was, we were pumped, this place was full. It was a year and a half ago. Faithfulness and consistency. Why? Because we get ourselves so worked up over a big day. But it's not those big days that say who we are as a Christian. It has nothing to do with those big days. Anybody can get excited. I could get a lost person to come up here, preach a message one time, live a life for a couple hours, and you would think they were the greatest Christian you've ever seen, but they didn't know Christ from anybody. Where are we today? Where are we today? I love this place. I love Oasis with all my heart. I've been humbled over the course of six weeks more than I think I ever have been. But I'm letting you know, though I know for a fact we have a facility that people come and dream about because I hear it. I know that we have a facility that people love, that people go, man, it's on the freeway. Thousands of thousands of thousands of people pass this building on a daily basis. We haven't arrived. 
we aren't even close to being arrived. And I pray that we never get to the feeling in our minds again that we have arrived. Because it's not about a one-time thing. Listen, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a day again when this room is full to capacity. There's going to be a day again when we're going to have a big day where we're going to have to have two and three services. There's going to be a day again, but it's not about that day. It's not about that day at all. It's about what we do following those days because we're going to have visitors that walk in this room today. It's not about the one time during the service. It's about the phone call that they're going to get tomorrow or Tuesday. It's about a delivery of a pie that they're going to get. It's about a follow-up two weeks later. Hey, we've, we haven't seen you. Hey, we haven't done this. Hey, we're thankful for that you came. It's about all of those things that make Oasis who Oasis is in a church who a church is because anybody can come and do a good performance on a Sunday morning. It's consistency over and over and over and over and over and over that make you somebody different. And the last point is this. If I can find it on my notes because I went away from them. We need to be like a shepherd and spread the word. We need to be like a shepherd and spread the word. I'm ashamed to stand up here in many aspects and say the outreach of Oasis Baptist Church is nowhere near where the outreach needs to be. I don't remember the last time on a Saturday or a Tuesday night we were fielding all kinds of people coming in to go spread the word of God. And I know it's not about a Saturday or it's not about a Tuesday night. It's about living those things every single day of your life. But I have a desire in my heart to see Oasis Baptist Church thrive in this community. And can I tell you, it's when people begin to spread the word like the shepherds did. It's when people begin to pray. It's when people begin to go out. It's when people begin to witness to their neighbors and witness to their friends and witness to their family and and share the good news that we have. Listen, let me tell you, it's not about Oasis Baptist Church. It's about me as an individual living my life as a Christian. It's not me worrying what Alan's doing or worrying what Charlotte's doing. It's about me living my life. When was the last time Aaron Flanagan shared with a neighbor, shared with a coworker? Uh, I don't share with my coworkers, just so you know. If, if I need to share with anybody that's in our offices, that anyway. It's about those things. That's what it's about. It's about us going out to the Welcome Center where we have those little business invite cards where you leave them at a coffee shop or you leave them at a restaurant or you leave them and you go, well, nobody goes, to, nobody listens to those things. You get them, you throw them away, you put them on the door, you, they throw them away. Let me tell you a quick story, and this is a personal story to me. But it was about seven years ago. It wasn't a part of this ministry. But we had those same invite cards. And my wife and I were out on a, it was a date night. and We were at Applebee's, which I'm not a big fan of, but we were at Applebee's. And if you're like me, I was, I was a waiter all through college. So I, I, I have a thing for servers because they're treated like garbage and they're expected to do like all these great things and really most of it has nothing to do with them. But 
I've always, but I've also had, like, I, I love good service. Because I know when I was a waiter, I gave good service, just whatever. But this, in this town, you don't get it very often. But we were there, and this guy was, he was good. I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, man, this, this guy's a good server. And we, had, we hadn't been here for long, but it, we just haven't had, we hadn't had a lot of good service. And I was kind of impressed. But just like we always did, we got in conversation with him and just talking. And at the end of the thing, I gave him his tip and I left the little invite card to church. It was about three weeks later, I was singing on the praise team of this. Of, of the, and I, I look out and have you ever just saw somebody and you're like, I recognize that person, but you have no idea where you recognize them from. And I'm sitting there and I'm singing and we're worshiping and I kept looking at this guy and I'm like singing and I'm like staring and I'm like staring and I'm going, man, where do I know this guy from? And after the service, I go up to him and I shake his hand and I say, hey, you look so familiar. And he goes, I was your waiter at Applebee's. Do you know how many of those things you give out that you think mean nothing? And let me tell you, giving those out and going door to door or doing what you're doing isn't so much about seeing the fruit, though that's good. It's about doing it and being faithful and doing it. But this gentleman came and he came to church and then he came back to church and he came back to church. And he started serving with me as when I was a youth pastor. He started serving with me. Next thing I know, he's running my junior high department of our ministry. Next thing I know, he's a full-time employee where I was working. It was from a card that I left on a table. I think he's the only person in the 10 years that I've been doing something like that that I've ever seen come to church. But you know, today it was about, it was at Thanksgiving or, yeah, uh, Halloween time. We were doing, we were going to the pumpkin patch thing to get pumpkins. And there he was. He and his family and his two little girls, he had gotten married, going and serving at another church, praying about going to full-time mission to be a missionary. All because, now again, it's not because, but all because I was willing to give him a card and say, hey, come to church. What is our outreach like? When was the last time we just Invited somebody. Do you know most people will come to church if we just invite them? But we've got to be willing to be like a shepherd and spread the word. I've got to be willing to, to be able to be excited that just like in Luke chapter 2, we have, you know, regardless of what you think, you have something to be excited about. If you're a Christian, you have something that you can smile about. Hey, the next time this afternoon you're going to go to a restaurant, many of you. Do you know the worst day to be a waiter is? Some of you are waiters. Sunday. Do you know why? Church people are horrible. I'm not kidding. I hated waiting tables on Sunday afternoons. I would go to church in college and then I would go wait tables. It was, you want to talk about the worst tip day ever? Sunday afternoon. You want to talk about the most demanding people ever? Church people. That's horrible. It would be the joke when we're back in there getting drinks and serving things. Oh, here we go. There's those people again. 
shirt and tie, ready for church, coming to eat. Who wants them? You'd fight over people. I don't want to go to get them. That's sad. You know what? You're going to go today and someone's going to have a horrible waiter or a waitress. But you don't know why they're a horrible waiter or waitress. You don't know what their morning was like. You don't know what their afternoon was like. For all you know, it was like what was in my house. I was up all night because my, ch- my child was throwing up all night. And they're an only parent, but they have to work. And they, We don't know those things. It's my job to share the good news. It's my job to spread the light. It's my job as a Christian, just like in Colossians, to live my life for those people out there because they're looking at me. They're expecting something different from me. Do you know you're going to dress, the way that many of you are dressed, you're going to go out to eat and people are already having you pinned. There's a church person. That's how we are. And the first time you make a smart aleck remark, you've turned them off. Isn't that what we do? Not me. No, that's what we do. We pin people and we, we kind of associate people with different things and then we, we say who they are and what they're going to do. This morning, we talked about a number of different things. But we mentioned the day after for the shepherd and the excitement that they, they told everyone. We talked about Mary and Joseph and the wonder and the excitement and the, the, the what's going to happen next type of a mentality of, of raising the baby Jesus. We talked about for you that Christmas was tough for some of you. Christmas was exciting for some of you. And then the day after it was just kind of a, a drop in everything. And are you excited for the next big day? Are you excited that you have another day to live and to serve Jesus Christ? Are you redeeming the time? Are you excited about the things that God is doing? Listen, I'm more excited today than probably I have been in a long time about what God's doing in my personal life and what God's doing in this church. Some of you may come in here and you may look around and you go, well, the numbers aren't what they used to be and this is this. Man, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there was 12 of us that sat right in these chairs last night at 6.30 and we prayed and we begged God for this place and we talked about things and we were excited. We left with the, the spirit was incredible. Listen, we have an incredible incredible, incredible thing right at our fingertips. And many of us are kind of, well, Christmas just wasn't what I thought it would be this year. And we're waiting on the next big thing. Listen, let me inform you and then I'm done. The next big thing ain't happening unless you make it the next big thing. Christmas is only what Christmas is, what I make it. If we do the big, okay, in six months, we're going to, or three months, we're going to do a big friend day. Listen, I can think friend day is going to be 5,000 people in this auditorium, but if everybody doesn't think friend day is going to be 5,000 people, it's going to be me and 150 people. It's what we and you and I make of it. So guess what? If you're waiting for the next big thing, it ain't happening. I said it six weeks ago. If you're waiting to see what's going to happen at Oasis, 
then you're going to wait and watch the doors close. I will tell you right now, I am not willing to watch doors close. Do you know what I want to do? I want to spit in everybody's face that drives by this building and say, I wonder when those doors are going to close when we're running five, six, seven hundred people. That's what I want to do. It's probably not godly, but that's what I want to do. Because there's a whole lot of people that are out there. There's some in this room that are waiting and watching just to see, oop, what's going to happen next? Are the doors going to close? It's out there. But I'm telling you right now, more than ever, I am determined to lead this church like a shepherd that we go spread the word of God That we live it in our lives, that it's taught on Sunday morning and it's taught on Sunday night and it's taught on Wednesday night and our children are growing and we're praying and we're doing things and we're seeing God do something incredible. Where are you this morning?